I don't know about you, but I see anxiety everywhere. It, it seems to be that we are an age where people are more anxious or not sure how to handle anxiety. And I love it. The God that we serve, when you, you set up a, a sermon on anxiety, decides to give us an example by our tech not working. I saw a lot of anxiety at about 10.15 a.m. when that all went south. But uh, um, So today we want to talk about Anxiety and how it affects us and out there. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I read where it talks about there's a mental health crisis going on where there's people who are struggling with depression and, and constant anxiety. And you know there's, a, there's definitely a connection between anxiety and depression. Um, I, I see young people avoiding relationships Because the thought of talking to someone makes them anxious. That they retreat to their phones rather than talking face-to-face because there's so much anxiety in interacting. And especially I see maybe younger people or young adults struggling to interact, fearful of interacting with older adults. Um, As I just observe all this is out there. Now, dealing with anxiety is a normal part of human life. We all are going to have times where we feel anxious about something. I do want to give a clarification. There are are times when anxiety is so strong that that it might be needful to, to see a therapist, to get some help from a professional, or to even, uh, you might need medical intervention. I will just to, to be honest, there was a season in my life where I needed to go on anti-depression medication. And that God used that to get me through a, a difficult season of life. And, and so what I'm going to talk about today is, is not really aimed at, at that. And I, I don't want to disparage the medical side of things. But I do want to talk about just kind of anxiety as the normal part of our human life. And how, how do we deal with that? What, what leads someone to feel anxious? The unknown. That's perfect. That's a good example. I, I have a few things. One is something bad is coming. right? Suppose it's Friday afternoon and something happens at your church workplace or, you know, whatever, or your, church, your workplace. My, my workplace is a church, not yours. Um, so something happens and, and, and the boss says, We'll talk about this Monday. Are you going to have a peaceful and relaxed weekend? No, you're going to have a lot of anxiety about what, you know, so when something bad is coming, when something unknown is coming, right? When you you just don't know what's going to happen. You know something's up, but you don't know what it will be. You walk into a meeting and you're not sure what the meeting's about. You're going to feel anxious. You feel anxious when something's out of your control. Right? You, you can't resolve it. You can't do it. Or this, this does a lot for me. When I, there's a problem and I just don't know how to fix it. I, I am not a handyman. Something goes wrong in my house and I'm like, I get all anxious because I, you know, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to fix it. I, I, you know, so, but there's all kinds of things. So there's a problem. 
the other thing that really leads to conflict or uh, anxiety is conflict, right? You know there's tension in a relationship and you need to talk to that person. You are going to walk into that encounter with a lot of anxiety. Anxiety is normal. Every person feels it. it it's, it's kind of a low-level fear, right? It's an ongoing sense of fear about something. And sometimes it's a fear that you don't even know. It's, a, it's an undefined fear, right? Fear, you can think of, has a very clear object. Anxiety is like, I'm afraid of something, I'm not even sure what. I, I remember a, a friend at a previous church, his daughter was starting a job, like it's her first real job as a young adult, and, and he had, she was sharing with him all the, all the stuff, and, and one of the comments he made to her is, having a job is means you're being paid to deal with anxiety, right? If, if it was free and easy, volunteers would do it. So the reason you're being paid is it causes anxiety to do what you're trying to do. So it is normal. Our passage today, what I should suggest is, is it's speaking about how to replace anxiety with peace and joy. God does not want us to walk in this anxiety dominating our lives. Instead, he's inviting us to to seek his peace and his joy in our inner being. So it starts off where Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, knowing that that could be my brothers and sisters. That's to translate that. So when there's a therefore, you got to look backwards. Therefore what? Well, if we go back to chapter 3, so this is the beginning of 4. In chapter 3, it talked about how we are citizens of heaven, how the Holy Spirit, God, is at work in us to, to draw us to become more like Christ. So, so it's basically saying, remember, you're a citizen of heaven. Christ is at work within you. Therefore, so, so what's going forward is actually how we respond. It's dealing with the, the specifics of life. So therefore, stand firm. You know, stand firm. You know life is going to hit you. Don't let that knock you down. Stand firm. God is there. You're a citizen of of the kingdom of heaven. Um, God is at work in your life. He'll get you through this. Don't be knocked down. The other thing that happens in verse 1 is Paul twice calls them beloved. In Greek, agapetos. Agape. Agapetos. Beloved ones. Um, So so what's up? So, So Paul is preparing them. He's saying... I love you guys, but we got to talk about something. And so verse 2, you see what he's, he's preparing them for. There is a conflict going on in the, the congregation, the church in Philippi, at that church. And so Paul begins by naming two people. He says, I love you guys. You're my joy and crown. Um, and he's preparing them to bring up this, this conflict. And he, he names the two names, Euodia and Syntyche. These are actually two women. In the the text, he says they they labored side by side in the gospel. Back in chapter 1, Paul talked about the the church being partners in the gospel. So he's saying that that, that these women, they're, they're partners in the gospel. They are fellow workers in the church. So in some way, they have some kind of leadership role, active role, 
role within it. We don't know what kind of leadership. It doesn't, you know, doesn't say they have an office of leadership, but, but they have some role in building up the church. They're, they're, they're partners. This is no surprise. If you go back in Acts 16 and see how the church started, it was a woman who was the key player in seeing the church start. It is when Paul ran into a, a woman named Lydia. And, and Lydia was a businesswoman from Rome in Philippi. And it was her, you know, hearing Paul's message and coming to faith. That was the key event that got the whole church started. In this fall, I'm going to tackle something. We're going to start a new sermon series talking about how men and women together are in part of God's people. The sermon series is going to be women, men, marriage, and singleness. So I'm giving you warning. We're going to delve into some stuff. And, and I think it'll be interesting. But I, I, I think sometimes we, we sort of miss things out of the scriptures that's going on. And here we see that there are w- women involved in the lead, leading this congregation in some way. And so we're going to think about that come the fall, think more about how, how that happens. But these women have a conflict. Euodia and Syntyche, we don't know what it is. Paul does not name the conflict. He does not settle the conflict for them. Note that? Like, that would be my thing. Like, okay, here's how you, here's how you resolve this. Paul doesn't do that. He says, I want you guys to find agreement, right? Agree with one another. Like he puts it on them to seek to make peace within this. And then he says, hey, 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 friends, fellow yoke, fellow, help these women, right? These are, you got to help them. This is important. Can, can I give you a clue, a, a, a guiding clue for all of Philippians? This is what Paul has been getting ready to address for a while in the whole book. If you go backwards, go back and read through all of Philippians. I dare you to read through all of Philippians this afternoon and look for this. Look for where Paul is pointing ahead to the need to, to resolve conflict. How in Philippians 2 it talks about, a, you know, if you have any comfort in Christ, if any fellowship in the Spirit, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same purpose, being one in purpose and, a, and in full accord. Right? He has been setting this up, knowing that that is one of the things going on in Philippi. They, they, have to learn how to, they have to learn how to set aside their own interests, put the interests of others ahead of their own, so that they can move forward together in, in unity as a congregation. Um, so, what does this have to do with anxiety? Well, guess what? Conflict causes anxiety. Does it not? If, if, if you know there's tension, if you know there's disagreement, even if you're not one of the ones in it, would not the rest of the church been anxious over, oh man, Syntyche insists that we have red carpet in the sanctuary. And Euodia says, no, it has to be brown. Right? You know, and, and man, I just wish we could find a reddish-brown combo so that, like, that, that, that tension, uh, that conflict is going on. Um, and so conflict causes anxiety. But uh, guess what? It works the other way. Anxiety causes conflict. If you are anxious about something, if you're fearful, it puts you in this mode. And, 
and you, you might come into a situation and you're, you're, you're worried your interests are not going to be met. And so you're going to be especially sharp in how you respond to people. Uh, my wife was talking to my daughter who's currently working as a, a clerk in, uh, in Stewart's. And she says, you know, we were talking about how people come in and are rude or impolite. She says, sometimes when people do that, they're they are coming in with all their anxiety and fear, and they're, they're not thinking about anyone because of themselves because anxiety is dominating their mindset, right? And so you can help set aside their fear. Whenever possible, if someone is being obnoxious, rude, impolite, whatever you want to say, try to, try to think, is there, is there anxiety or fear that's driving them? Can you help set them aside? It says that a gentle answer turneth away wrath. Right? In that situation, can you step back and not be offended at how rude they're being to you and instead bring a word of grace that might help them get out of that mindset of anxiety? Moving on to verses 4 and 5, how does our attitude affect anxiety? So it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Paul's talking about what attitude do we have? Let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone. So here's a question. Is it a sin to be anxious? So I, I've heard this crit- criticism of, of the Bible of Jesus saying, you know, right, you have... You have this, you know, the Bible commands you not to worry, not to be anxious. They're kind of the same thing. And, and, and then so you go in, you're anxious and worryful, and then you see like, oh, no, now God's mad at me because I'm anxious and worried, and that just amps it up. Like, that's not, not God's intent. L- let, me, let me say it this way. God is not mad at you for being anxious or worried. It is, you are not transgressing the law. Right? You're, not, you're not doing something wrong, per se, by being anxious. At the same time, God does not want you to live in anxiety. It's not what he wants for you. It's, you could say it's a sin in the sense it's, it's missing the mark. It's missing what God has for you, which he wants to import his peace and joy into you. So it's, it's not that, like, oh, we need to feel guilty for being anxious. It's that God wants to, to help us reset our attitude in the face of anxiety so that we can think differently. How easy it is to slip into um, grumbling, complaining, to focus on the negative, to look around and all you see are problem after problem after problem. Right? Everything in my life is going wrong. Man, I slip into that really easily. <laughs> Let me tell you all the problems that happened in the last few weeks, right? I, I could do it. Um, what, what this is guiding us to, when it says rejoice in the Lord, it's saying reset your, your attitude, your mindset. What is the most frequent command given in the Bible? Fear not. Do not fear. Yeah, you'd think it would be love, but no. Over and over again, the, the, the command given, do not fear. But it's always accompanied, or not always, it's often accompanied by a promise. For I am with you. You've got to give a reason not to fear. 
You know, if you say, don't be afraid, well, yeah, maybe you should be afraid. So it says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. My favorite verse, one of my favorites, Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Right? Here, here what does Paul say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Why? The Lord is at hand. He's with you. Right? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? If God is on our side, if he's, if he's looking out for us, why, why should we be so afraid? And so part of this is resetting our attitude is just remembering the truths that God has said. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So, so resetting your attitude means decide, I'm going to trust God whatever I face. He's with me. I need not fear. In the 1980s, something really terrible happened. There was a song that came out. It is the worst song that has ever been recorded in human history. I wonder if even now you know what I'm talking about. Bobby McFerrin came out with the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Unfortunately, it's not on the screen. I had a little picture. If you've never heard of the song, God, God bless you. We will not sing it. Unfortunately, that song has been ringing in my head all week long because I thought of it in terms of this thing, and I don't want to do that to you. I may have already, but even by mentioning, it's called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Um, you need to purge your mind after this. So, so, I mean, I hate it for many reasons. I can list them all. But one aspect of it is that it, it just says, well, don't worry, be happy, you know, just decide that you're not going to worry. That doesn't work. Right? It's, it's, you need a reason to, to, to not worry. You need help getting past it. And so I gave you one reason. Paul gave us a reason. The Lord's at hand. Right? Don't, let, don't worry. Don't let anxiety abound in you because God is with you. Remember all the things that we, we know the truth of. And then it, it goes further, though, and this is where we're getting into verse 6, where it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Um, so the Lord invites us to bring our anxieties and our burdens to Him. He knows we're going to have anxieties and burdens. Right? Again, He doesn't get mad at us because we feel burdened and anxious. But he says, Jesus has come to me. All you, anyone who's feeling the weight of all this stuff, who's worried and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. What a beautiful word, right? Rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. Learn from me, right? Come, come into this relationship with me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and I will show you how to have rest for your souls. That is the promise of Christ. And, and this, is, this verse is kind of in that same vein. It's, it's spelling out how do you do that? How do you bring your burdens to Christ? So, so when you're anxious, when, when anxiety is abounding, um, you, you come and you pray. Now, 
I struggle with this. It is way too trite to just say, well, pray, right? Just pray and everything will be better. No, that doesn't work either. Like, there are times when I, I come and I'm, I'm anxious in the morning and I'm worried, like, and, and we, we do need to pray, but just, just that prayer, sometimes I leave my prayer time still feeling anxious. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I got to exercise, get out on my bike, like, but, but here's the thing. It's still the answer. It's still the offer to come and pray. But notice, it, there's actually three words used, right? Prayer supplication, and requests. So it's inviting us to think things through. So first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant. I, I love the ESV version. That's the version of the Bible that is in our thing. Does anyone know what the word supplication means? Do you use the word supplication in any other place other than maybe this passage? So I, 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 I prefer the, the word petition, right? Um, you know, so do not be anxious in anything, but, but, but in prayer, come in prayer, come before God. Make your petitions, right? We use that word. We, we, make, we think through. When you do a petition, what do you do? You actually have to spell out clearly what you want the city council or the whatever to do for you. You can't just say, make it better. I, I remember one time I was at a, in a different church, previous church, where I was in my office, and someone rang the bell, and it was like Friday afternoon or something. I was getting ready to go home, and, and a woman's there, and she's, she's, has, she has troubles, and she's going through stuff, and she starts to share it and says, well, I don't know what I can do for you. Um, you know, truthfully, I just wanted her to go away. Like, I wanted to go home. Um, and then she says, why won't anyone help me? And and so she had been to church after church, and so, all right, I, I listened to her. The problem is, she had trouble spelling out what she wanted. She just wanted someone to fix all her problems. And I'm like, I can't fix all your problems, but let's talk it out. What do you actually need this moment? What, what can I actually do for you? And we, we talked it out. And eventually we found a way that I could help her. And I don't even remember what it was. I just remember that. Please, why won't anyone help me? Sometimes that's all we can do when we come to God. God, why won't you help me? Like, we're allowed to. He, he, God hears us. But what this is saying is think through what you actually want God to do for you. Put your requests into words. And in doing so, you're going to answer some questions, right? What are some of the questions you got you to gotta, um, answer? Well, what aspects are under my control and what is beyond my control, right? So maybe if you're a student in your prayers, Lord, I, I want a passing grade. Well, what's under your control? You could study, Right? That is under your control. What's not under your control, how well maybe you'll remember it on that day. So there are some things that are in your control, some, and that's true with about everything. So the things that are under your control, you could maybe do. The things that are not, you have to lift to God and ask for His power to abound. Another question. Um, what is something I could do about it and, uh, right now? And what do I have to wait and see what is next? 
right? Sometimes you have a thing that you can't really do anything in the moment. You have to wait and see what comes next. But, but in answering that, you're thinking, what do you need right now? What's the, the daily bread, in a sense, versus what is the long-term thing you need to think through? Um, and I talked about how anxiety and conflict go is going. Another question might be, is there something I need to offer forgiveness for? Have I been offended? Is, 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 is anger against someone part of the issue? Or on the other side, is there someone I need to ask forgiveness from? Have I, have I offended someone? So all of those, as you put, put your requests into your, your prayers into specific petitions and requests. I think you think through those things. And even apart from God acting, it's the act of doing that that i found sometimes actually that in itself helps me to start experiencing peace. Where I'm spelling out what is needful. And then, and then you're bringing it and saying, God, now God, can you act where, where I need you to act? You're you're doing, and that's where I love how it says, and the peace of God. God's answer in the moment may not be the exact thing you need because it, it may not yet be time, but it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It, it's beyond what I can, it's not something I can get for myself. Well, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's both heart and mind. And we need his peace to to, 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 to get past anxiety. And so wherever we're anxious about, that's what we really are asking and seeking in that time. The last couple of verses talk about anxiety and our thoughts, our thinking. Anxiety can come when we absorb the pattern of thinking from the world we live in. So Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. When our, have, have, you, have you noticed this? Have you noticed your media consumption leading you to feel more anxious? Is there even a question of that? I think the world around us through the media, whether it's regular media or social media, is as part of the reason why there's a mental health crisis. There are so many things in this world that's trying to amp you up. They make money by making you either afraid or angry. Brothers and sisters, might it be time to turn off the TV. If you are letting, um, whether, I don't care whether it's MSNBC or Fox, if you are letting that play 24 hours in your home, turn it off. They make their money by making you afraid or angry. Right? They, they want you to be amped up because then, then you're spurred to, to donate or, or whatever. The things of this world are, are trying to work you up. That's often why we're, we're feeling anxious. The same truth you scroll on your phone. Is the headline that draws your attention, is it the one that's making you afraid or angry? Oh, look at what they did now. Whatever side is doing it, that's the headline 
is trying to, it's a hot take, right? They're trying to get you to, to click on it because you click on that, they get a few cents. H.L. Mencken um, said something about Puritanism that uh, I think actually applies to a lot now. It's, let me, it says, it says Puritanism, I had a slide for this, but H.L. Mencken was a journalist in the early 1900s, and he says, it's the haunting fear that someone, somewhere, may be happy. And so we are actually the heirs of, as congregationalists, we're the heirs of Puritanism. But I see Puritanism all around us. It's that idea, oh, someone's happy, there's, there's something going on, and we have to squash that happiness and make everyone feel miserable, you know. Is anxiety and our thoughts instead... We need to, to retrain our mind. We need a renewal of the mind. And um, it says, if anything is worthy of praise, you are doing well by being here today. Why? We, we set aside a few hours. We come and we we take our mind off the things that are going on in our day-to-day life, the reasons we're anxious. We take our mind off of the worries that we have or the anxiety about the world, and we, we sing to one who's worthy of our praise, right? worthy to think about and meditate on and what is good and honorable. I, I had one Sunday where I visited a different church, and th- they're trying to be, you know, reach people where they're at and they, when they did their praise time, they, they took texts, right? People could text to the, the pastor up front their praises. And I, I get the idea, but I, I won't ever do that. Because I, I, the one thing I want you to do for these couple hours is set aside the phone, right? I, I'd actually encourage you to not use your phone to, to, to do the Bible. I know some people find that helpful, that's why I try to put a lot of the scriptures on the handout or we have pew Bibles for, for a couple hours. How often is it our phones that are amping us up to set aside that and to think about what is lovely, commendable, anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise. The importance of worship in, in resetting our heart and mind. That's what it... it, it in Romans 12.1, it talks about this idea of we present our bodies in worship as, as living sacrifices, right? We come. That's what you do in worship, right? You, you bring yourself. And I know some days that's all we could do, right? All I could do is bring myself through the door. I am relying on God to do everything. But you bring yourself through the door. You present your bodies, and you are awaiting God to... to to, to re, retrain your heart. But that's what happens. Because in so 12.1, it says we present our bodies in spiritual worship, but then it says, but, but what happens, is it says we are transformed by the renewal of our mind. That's the work that God does in us as we set our, reset our focus in worship, as we reset our heart in singing praise to something other than ourself. And, and that's what we do. That's why corporate worship is important. We need each other's help to do that. And that's where verse 9 comes into. He, he, Paul is saying we, we're, we're not called to do this alone. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, you, you all, it's a, it's a corporate 
you, not, not a single you. You all practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you all. Right? We, we're called to learn from one another together. Um, anxiety and loneliness go hand in hand. It's the other thing going on that we see in our culture, and the loneliness epidemic. Friends, we are called to walk together in, in our, our walk with Christ. And I think that's, that's part of, of, of dealing with anxiety. So, so here's the question I, I put on your thing. How is being a part of a church community help, can help you? How that can help you in dealing with anxiety? There's an accusation out there that, that, that church is bad. I've seen this in some of the atheists. Like, you know, religion is destructive in people's lives. And I know people have been hurt at times by the church, that they've experienced um, negative things within a church or they've been abused by a pastor. I get it. That that does take place. But in her book, uh, Confronting Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin takes that on. And she talks about, you know, how the accusations that religion is does harm, but, but then she, she says the social science actually argues that being practicing religion, being a part of a worshiping community, actually is, is one of the, help, the things you could do for your, your physical and mental health. So it says that, that they've discovered that it reduced mortality rates by 20 to 30% over a 15-year period. So being a part of a church, attending worship, actually can, can make you healthier physically as well as mentally. And, and so here's their thing. It says, research suggests that those who regularly attend services are more optimistic, have lower rates of depression, are less likely to commit suicide, have a greater purpose in life, are less likely to divorce, and are more self-controlled. That's science, right? It's also what Paul is saying. Right? We need each other. And, and could it be one of the reasons why anxiety is abounding, why there's a mental health crisis, is, is so many have, have forsaken the opportunity to be a part of that worshiping community. And, and we can do better as we seek our God together. And, and we can do better with each other. Our East Glenville. Can anyone say our, our mantra that we have? We put it on our wall. Can, can, can we do this? Learning to love God and love others as... Okay, I've, I've failed as a pastor. We're going to do this again. Learning to love God and love others as we follow Jesus together. One more time. Learning to love God and love others as we follow Jesus together. That's, that's our hope. That's our goal. That's, and so we do it together. We, we share in one another's burdens. And it could be maybe you're, you come in and you're not anxious. You know, you're just having, you had a good week. You come in to worship. You praise God. But it could be that, that you are here today because God wants you to be the, the sounding board for someone else. As maybe someone else is having a crappy week and you're the one that, hey, tell me how your week went. How often does just sharing the, the struggles that we go on, how often does that just take a burden, a weight off your heart? Right? We need to do this together. We need to be in community. One thing we've been talking about as our outer board is how 
we, we know we need Sunday mornings, right? We know we need this worship. We also believe that, and our hope is for every person here, that they would have at least one area where uh, they're part of a small group as a church, right? That you're not just Sunday morning worship and, and I'm out of here. We would encourage you to find one place. And I know in the summer, you're all at your lake houses or you're off camping somewhere. I get it. That's okay. But in September, we're all coming back. And that you would find one place, whether it's a, a men's or women's Bible study, whether it's one of our life groups, uh, whether we have, well, Sunday school classes, we have, we have some, we, we're trying to set up opportunities for people maybe in different life seasons so that everyone can have one place where they are connecting with people beyond just surface level. So I, I would ask you, do you have that? Have you found that niche? And if so, talk to us. We can, we can help you find which, which niche might work best for you, but we are convinced we, we need not only the sum corporate worship, we need to, to interact with another in a relational level and to grow together as we, as we follow Jesus together. So think about this. How can, can we, how can you help other people move away from anxiety and move towards the peace of Christ? Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you, you love us and your desire is that we would not be, be burdened by anxiety and worries and all these things that, that hold us down. I thank you that instead you've offered grace and forgiveness to us and that you can help us turn away from anxiety, find your joy and your peace. Lord, that is our desire. May we leave this place full of joy and may that joy be infectious in every person we encounter this day and this week. May that joy just rub off as, as we, we live for you, Jesus. And we pray this in the mighty and powerful name of God the Father. Amen. As the people of God, let's stand and sing out in response to the message from the Word of God delivered.